Welcome, friends, to Game Master's Studio, where we talk shop about running tabletop role-playing games. With us today is Jared and Ed, with your host, Jerry. Hello, and welcome to Game Master Studio. We'll, we'll be discussing tabletop role-playing games and tips and tricks that you can use to help your game at home, help run things a little bit smoother, have some fun in the process. Uh, today, we're going to be talking about the difference in styles between preparation and improvisation and how you can bring those into your own games to help you work there. My name is Jerry, a.k.a. Frieden. I'm your host and moderator today, DM with nearly three decades of experience. With me in the studio is Jared, a.k.a. DMF, proprietor of Mad Doc Designs, creator of the world of Wrath, and semi-professional DM. And Ed. My name's Commander Shepard, and this is my favorite podcast on the Citadel. All right, so we're going in today to talk about preparation versus improvisation, like I said earlier. Now, our, our sessions so far that we've been here, we've been talking about getting things ready, getting the game going, getting ready to get started, and we've been focusing very heavily on the players. Mm-hmm. We've been looking at identifying player types, we've been talking about making characters, we've been talking about group size, we've been talking about bringing people together, but now it's time to kind of almost push your players aside and focus entirely on the GM side of things, even before you get down to the session for your first time. We're talking about the two styles, the preparation, where you're going to sit down, you're going to plot things out, you're going to plan, you're going to have everything decided, you're going to know what's going to happen, you're going to have everything in place, and improvisation, where you're going to get a general idea of what's going on, understand characters, understanding what they want, how they'll go about it, but other than that, making up and reacting to the PCs as they take actions, how does the world react to them, what goes down on the fly, Um, and we're going to be looking at those two styles, how they contrast, and how you, well, in all honesty, I'll give away the the, the end game of it, you should probably use a blend, but you want to figure out what blend works for you. Mm -hmm. So we're going to be starting, let's talk about preparation. The ultra planning, spending hours putting things together. Yeah. Pros and cons. Let's start with the pros. What are the benefits of preparation? Oh, certainly. You know, you know what's coming. You know your world. Um, I, I, in a perfect world, have created a, a a gaming system, a gaming world that I'm in, where the history has been laid out, the map has been laid out. Uh, you have all that information there. You know the the different like major players in the group, you know, or, or or sorry, not the major players in the group, but the major players in the world, you know, uh, and you have that all planned out. Preparation's good um, to have that not only that uh, atmosphere that you can capture right. by having all of that information available, but also preparing all of the encounters that are coming up. Yeah, I mean it is it is. It is a lot of work, although that's kind of more getting on the con side. But I think, I think preparation definitely allows you to present a rich world, a game that's ready to go you know, right out of the gate. Here's yeah. stuff that's happening. Here's a detailed description of it. I've played with GMs that 
even though they made up their own work, it was almost as if they were running a pre-made module. Right. Because they did that much preparation. They had that much detail. All of the speeches typed out. All of the reactions pre-prepared. Everything pre-canned to be able to bring to the table. I think that's a lot to do up front. But it allows, in many ways, the game to run very smoothly. I think a highly prepared game has very little in the way of surprises. Mm -hmm. There's very little that's going to throw you off track. You know where it's supposed to go, and you have a pretty good idea of what you want the end result from your players to be. And with enough preparation, if your players go off into a bit of a tangent, and they say, well, what's the name of this guy here? You know, you have that. You may take a second to look for it, but you have that. It's there, and it'll never change. Where sometimes when I, when I, when I wing it, which... Um, is fine too. Sometimes I wing it. I, I give him a name, but then later on I think of a different name for him. And you know, uh, pre- preparation certainly helps you with consistency. It's big, a big help in consistency. Yeah, and I've, I'm personally heavily on the improv side, um, but if I do have to improv a name or something along those lines, I'll definitely jot it down in my notes. Um, here's a side tip for all you DMs: whenever you're running, take notes especially on what you say, because the PCs are going to bring that up later, guaranteed. That's just after the fact preparation. (laughs) (laughs) It is, Um, which is an interesting side of it. You know, after the fact preparation, looking at, look at what we just did and how does that correlate? How does that build new experiences out of what just happened? Is it after the fact preparation or is it preparation for the next uh, the next session <laughs> <laughs> well it is preparation for the next session that was kind of dictated by what happened in this session right and another trick you can do too some people do uh, I've done it in the past is you can use like a tape recorder and record your sessions and then you can go back and just to kind of take cliff notes of what's important some people don't want to be distracted in the moment to take the actual physical notes and write things down there's you know different ways you can handle that um, definitely on the the preparation side there's huge advantages the more prep you do, the more you have to lean on. Um, just, I think a big trick is don't use it. At, like, I don't like prep to the point of scripting unless it's like a cut scene or some sort of like descriptive text for a specific room. Again, we're going to be talking about cut scenes and monologuing in a future episode. <laughs> but it goes along with the prep. Um, but if you over prep or over prepare to the point that like every single thing you need to go to your notes to yeah. read from then you can get thrown off or you might lose your note and you can it can kind of delay the game and some people are like that and that's fine but i think then that's important for you to know how to organize yourself make Certainly. sure that you know how to find what you need and you'll have to come up with your own organizational skills if every single thing needs to be written down i, I and there's nothing wrong with that i mean this is all about like one versus the other but not Prep's not better than improv, and improv's not better than prep. It all comes down to the DM. I think it right. comes down to the DM style himself. Like Jerry mentioned, I do a nice blend of both, or I, I say a nice blend. I do a blend of both. You know, nice is relative. <laughs> Where I like to do a lot of pre- uh, prep for a foundation. I like to have my world established in whatever region that I'm running the game. You mm-hmm. know, I have my world of Wrath. I've spent a lot of time working on Wrath. It's still in progress and still needs so much work. It's, uh, you know, disheartening to think about almost. But having that strong foundation, it allows me to improv all building off of that foundation. So I can yeah. say, as long as I know what's, you know, I have this town established, I have a map built for this town, I have the important NPCs of this town, and then I can have like a little random name-generated list off to the side for random NPCs I don't plan on or haven't already created. Right. 
knowing the important NPCs, knowing their personality traits, or, or you know, a, a general idea of what they are and what they're about, I can then improv their conversations. You know, if I have certain information that I need to get across to the party, I can. I don't have to have that scripted. I know what needs to be said. I know what that pl that NPC knows. I can spit it out in a conversation. Mm -hmm. But I can, you know, it gives me a lot of room to wiggle. It gives me a lot of room to be creative and on the fly. Maybe I might, because you never know when a great idea is going to hit you in that moment. Right, and that'll also be something that we'll be talking about in a future episode as well. Making memorable NPCs, mm -hmm. which prep can really help for that. Um, if you know that a character is going to have a significant amount of spotlight time, you're going to be spending more time on figuring out who this is, where they're coming from, why they're doing what they're doing, what their capabilities are. Interestingly, actually, some of my more memorable NPCs were NPCs that I improved, but we don't have to necessarily get into that now. I wanted to make a point real quick that there is a con to the prep side of things is over-preparation. It's a number of ways. First, if you build like an entire world and... You know, the important figures of all the people in the cities in the world and like dungeons around the cities. And your group over only ever goes between like two or three cities and back through the course of your game. Yeah, that's a lot of great stuff that you have for the future still. So certainly maybe run some campaigns. But that's a lot of work that you did for a game that you didn't maybe didn't have to do at the time. And the second thing onto that is I actually had a player once who had a really kind of rich backstory that I wanted to tap. And uh, I wrote up all kinds of events for like future encounters to help with his backstory and all kinds of stuff. You know, I, I wrote all kinds of stuff. It was going to be glorious. Two sessions after I finished, he wanted, he retired the character. He was done playing him. He was tired of him. So I had all of this stuff planned that I never, never got to. I mean, I tweaked it, some of the stuff that I could. Yeah. I mean, some of that's recyclable, you know, and unfortunately that's an unforeseeable event. Yeah. I think, I think if you, if you feel like you're over prepping and stuff goes to waste, it's really easy to kind of put that on the shelf and then maybe down the road you'll you'll start to see someone who's kind of fitting in and could kind of fit in the same place. So you, you take it off, you dust it off, you change some of the names, maybe file off the serial numbers <laughs> and then uh, and then bring it back into play. Yeah, over prep for one game is extra prep for a future game. You know, some things can always be reused, reduced, That's recycled. True. So while it might have been extra work you didn't need to have ready for this weekend's game, it's work, less work that you have that you can use down the road exactly. for another game. Maybe maybe not this game, maybe a whole different game with a whole different group of players. But you know, there, while there, I want to say there's no such thing as you know too much preparation. There very can very much can be. Yeah. And there's also that, that over-preparation being used later on can also work when your players throw you a curveball. One of the examples I've used when I'm talking about DMing is imagine the opening scene of Star Wars. Uh, the ship is being stormed by the stormtroopers and the rebels are being overrun and in comes Darth Vader, big, bad, menacing. I'm assuming that everybody has seen Star Wars, so I'm not worried about spoiling at least this part of it. Let's assume, rather than things go as they do, one of the PCs who are playing the Rebels say, hey, I have this thermal detonator that I bought. I'm going to trigger it and chuck it down the corridor. And you decide to roll, and the thermal detonator blows out the boarding lock. Everybody in that corridor swept out into space, and now Darth Vader is dead. <laughs> so what, what do you do there as a DM? One of the, the options that you have is... Take that prep that you did as Darth Vader, change the name, so now it's Deke Starkiller is the Empire's right-hand man, and everything that you were going to do with Vader is now 
somebody else. You can take that prep, you can reuse it, and your players will never know because all of that stuff never came into play. This is more on the improv side, but it's very important to remember that nothing that the players have not experienced is set in stone. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Everything that they don't know can be changed. Yeah, I mean, you're improving the fact that you're changing who's using that information, but at the same time, you're taking advantage of your prep. So that's where, like, that blend comes back into play. Right. Okay, well, I had planned on, you know, villain X being, you know, having this backstory, but now villain Y is going to use it. But I get to improv where I'm going to shift this information, where I'm going to shift the story, who's going to be the new villain. Right. Or maybe the players didn't even know that Darth Vader was in that hallway, so now he wasn't in the hallway, and guess what? He was actually on the other end of the ship, and it wasn't even a problem. Right. And, you know, I'm not even sure it necessarily has to be improv. You know, if you have planned up some really cool things for your villain to do, you know, once again, let's say it's Darth Vader and he gets blown out of an airlock in the first session... You know, then have it be that Darth Vader had a secret brother who was working as well, and now he wants revenge against the group, and you have Darth Schmader or whatever it is. Or you have it, oh yeah, you blew the guy out of the airlock, that was Darth Schmader, and now Darth Vader is coming around, and he has all of this going on. Yeah, exactly, which goes hand with the whole, like, they didn't know that he was there. And that that creates an interesting dynamic... uh, as part of a play, as, as a player and as a character in the world, is not only did you defeat the bad guy who was on his way to you know maybe do bad things to you. Um, sure, great, you defeated him, but now his brother wants to come after you, or his best friend, or so that, someone. So now the player's actions are generating additional story. Exactly. Right. Um, you can Which build- is always fun as a player. That's always fun to have that happen. Yeah, and I think as a DM, it's very important to build off of what the players do so that you can see that their actions have consequences and also so that they can see their actions have an effect. So you, you know, if the PCs rally a party to drive off the orcs, then maybe the next time the PCs come in town, that that gate is staffed by troops at attention and they're ready and they check their papers we can't be too careful you know the PCs see that this went from being a sleepy little town to some people who are on their game yeah fix you know fix the world have your actions mean something yeah and that's where I think and personally I think a little bit of you know improv is natural in a game you know because it has to be unless you are one of those types of GMs that can successfully predict the actions of their players or Again, because they some people do like to overprep or just have to plan everything. They have five or six different alternative options or endings for each session. It's hard to know where the player is going to go in any given uh, presented situation. So now, you have to be able to work in, you know on your toes a little bit. Now, I like to do a lot of my preparation along that lines. Uh, in a, a case of A or B, except it's a case of A or not A. If the players decide to go to the archaeology professor for information on the runes they found, A happens. If they don't go to see the professor, B happens. And there's no option that's not. They either do or don't go. Do they stay in the cabin or do they leave? If they leave, this happens. If they stay, this happens. There's nothing they can do that's not either staying in the cabin or leaving the cabin. Um, that way you can kind of narrow it down a bit. If you try to do, well, A, B, C, D, or other, I can pretty much guarantee that any decent group of PCs is going to have you picking other 90 to 95% of the time. Yeah. Yeah, where a lot of my prep comes in, again, with 
building those foundations, building environments, worlds, and NPCs. And again, like it really comes down a lot to the NPCs because the world is molded by the people that are in it. So if you have those NPCs, and I have, I tend to have in most of my typical games, uh, unfortunately not strands, but you have different motives for different NPCs of things that are going on. I don't even really worry about what they're going to do because I know this is in motion, this is in motion, this is in motion, and this is in motion. And I'll figure out what happens, you know, on an improv kind of side, based off of all the foundation that I've built, how they handle, okay, they handle X by doing Y, well, now I know, okay, well, they might have thwarted this situation, but they didn't address this, 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 or this, so these are all going in motion, okay, they might have disrupted this NPC's plans, but only for the moment, they didn't stop this NPC, how would this NPC react to that, how, what, how would they change their plans to still try to accomplish their goals, by having goals set for your NPCs, you know what they're trying to achieve, so you can kind of make I say educated guesses as if they're real people, but you can make plans based off of their goals and what they're capable of. Plans upon plans upon plans. You know, plans. To, yes. to re you know, to get them back onto the path moving towards that, that final objective. And yeah, and here's here's kind of an example. I had a game where the the players were supposed to go in and I had basically prepared on there being a battle and they were gonna steal or after the battle they were gonna get a device that was gonna help progress the plot. Uh uh, a plot device, if you will. Um, a MacGuffin. Yeah. How, however, they actually decided to stealth through that, and they did it very well. And, and, and instead of there being this big battle that I'd planned out, they snuck through, they found it, and I said, okay, that's fine. They get it, they get out, great job. The entire time, the and bard then, is playing the Mission Impossible theme. <laughs> and then, uh, you know, uh, the, the next session or session after that, I kept everything that I'd had for that battle, and I just had had it like happen out in the open. Like, okay, you stole our thing. Now we're coming after you. So they basically drew them out and attacked them to try to find out where the device was, that sort of thing. So, uh, you know, like we've been saying, you know, if you prep something, just because your players may avoid it, whether on purpose or accidentally, doesn't mean you can't bring it back around and use it again. Right. Um, now, in terms of, of, of prep time, uh, how... How much time should, do you think should be spent in preparation? 48 hours a day. <laughs> Why do we keep letting him in? Uh, <laughs> uh, he said he was going to bring tacos. I, <laughs> no, he, well, uh, actually, I, I, I want to take that back, uh, of course. Uh, I've been talking about prep and, and, and been kind of lifting it up a lot, but I, I really love the improv side of it, personally. I, I think it's important to do both. I think we're all kind of in the same boat on that. I, I'm heavy on the improv, but I can always tell you, I spent, I always sit down at the table having spent, feeling like I spent the exact same amount of time on preparation for every session, and that exact amount of time is not enough. <laughs> even, though I, even though I improv very heavily, um, and we'll get to talk about improv in just a minute, I feel like I've never actually done enough prep time. And, and you know what? Even if you do a lot of prep time, your players are going to throw something at you, and you're going to be like, why didn't I think of that? And you're going to feel like, I didn't prep that. Yeah, honestly, in my personal experience, which is why I started leaning more and more towards improv during sessions, but, you know, the prep of just the world and the foundation, Yeah. which I, you know, they're, it's, that's a whole argument, but I feel like the sessions that I prep specifically for, okay, for this Sunday, right. I have this plan, this, 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 and this, and this, and this should take 
five hours and that's the whole session right there we get through it in one hour and then i'm like well shit yeah that happens a lot <laughs> and then on the complete contrary where i'm like i really only had like two basic ideas for today's session and then four five hours go by and they're like can we play longer and i'm like uh, yeah freaking let's do it i just yeah. didn't have stuff prepared like i yeah. didn't think that this would take this long or i didn't you know realize how much the players were going to give me opportunities to improv and go off off script so to speak which is just filling all kinds of time and i'm totally encouraging that i'm very much in favor of players taking me off script or players affecting the world and the environment around them so we can pretty much all agree that the only thing to expect from your players is stuff you weren't expecting oh yeah <laughs> absolutely so yeah if i think i've over prepped i've under prepped if i think i've under prepped i've over prepped it's just i i have never hit it on the head so I just like to build that solid foundation. I like to know what NPCs are in the region, what NPCs have their, what goals they have, have my environment, and I'll have basic encounters at the ready. But as for actual story and adventuring, like I just improv like ninety percent of most of my sessions. You, you know what I will say? A lot of it does actually come down to your players. Some players really like being led by the nose. Mm -hmm. And if that's a group that you're in, and they're basically going to follow the plot line and do the thing. Uh, then it's it's pretty much all prep. I mean, you know, interactions could be improv, and that's like with me. I mostly improv my characters and like interactions. And if a, a player, you know, kind of, you know, goes off and does their own thing, then of course we'll improv that. But mm -hmm. uh, you know, sometimes you're in a group and they like being led around by the nose. So that's just going to be an all prep deal. Just make sure you have enough for everyone to do. Whereas I've been, you know, had other groups where they just everyone goes off on their own tangent. So you really have to be good at improv on that. Yeah, so let's switch gears. Let's talk a little bit about improv. Um, obviously, improv is making up stuff at the table as it happens. Um, I personally have had years of experience in theater before, you know, sitting down to do serious gaming. So I have uh, a little more experience with improv than your, your average GM might. And I personally, I do a lot of improv. I make up stuff on the fly. Um, I reference my GM notebook a few times. I'm always keeping notes on what I, what happened, what I said, what name I gave. Uh, I might have a list of names up to choose from, but if somebody says, okay, we need to go talk to this guy that sold you that stuff, what's his name? I need to come up with a name off the top of my head because I don't know who, who they got it right. from. There's always going to be some level of preparation, but improv is really being able to get... Improv is really about being able to roll with the punches. Right. You know, if if you have a thing that you want your group to do and they decide to go do the other thing, you know, your barbarian wants to go get in a bar fight. Do you, you know, because you've only prepared for certain things, do you say, no, sorry, you can't do it? which I would suggest not. Or do you say, yeah, okay, they start a little bar fight, you know, don't take too much time with it, but, you know, let him get some punches in, let him take some damage, and then move on. And you'll have options where you can make that into part of the bigger storyline. Um, we actually had one of the games that in Wrath that was set where a bar fight actually advanced the plot. Mm -hmm. um, you know, just just a random, you know, okay, we got into a fight and as it turns out, in the barn, this guy was, he had what we needed, so we're like, okay, well if my, our guy can beat you in a bar fight then you're gonna, you're gonna help us out, you're gonna help us advance our plot. Captain Jack. <laughs> <laughs> that was a great NPC. 
Sorry. <laughs> um, Pat myself on the back. <laughs> but, but your improv can definitely come up, and some some of your most some of your most interesting sessions and twists, I think, come out of improv because that's where the players are going, and they start that momentum by throwing that curveball, and you just ride with it. You know, I'm gonna. We've had a boring role playing session, so I'm gonna throw us a bunch of orcs at you, and now your guys are like, we're gonna talk to the orcs and we're gonna negotiate a peace with them. I have no idea that this was coming, but um, sure, let's figure out what works. Yeah, yeah. There is actually a book I would recommend for anyone that doesn't feel comfortable with improvisation, or they have some players that might need some work on it. It's actually a book called Play Unsafe. Uh, I have a, a downloaded copy of it that I I paid for. And uh, a physical copy of it. Remember, had, don't break any laws. Yeah, actually, buy a version of this. Uh, it's by Graham uh, Walmsley. If I'm or probably butchered his last name, it's actually available on Amazon. Uh, I highly recommend the book. It's really only about 70, 80 pages. It's large font. It's a very quick, easy to go through read. I again, I read the book. Probably, I read the book, and literally, like the second I finished the last page, I flipped back to the beginning and I started reading right through it again. Because you could probably get through it in about an hour. And it's just everything in that is gold. And it's going to be a lot of stuff that the average role player knows. It's going to be a lot of stuff that the average GM's heard a thousand times. But it's one of those things where, like, you might kind of know it, but it's just throwing the words right in your face. Like, oh, you know what? You're right. I've already, I did that. I do do that. I do do that. You know what? You're right. I shouldn't do that. It kind of points things out to you. Yeah. It just, you know, it's just, it calls, you know, a spade a spade and kind of throws everything in your face so you know exactly what's going on. But one of the, like, the golden rule that that book will go over. And that I've been preaching ever since is like, don't say no. Like that's one of the yeah. biggest tricks to improv, not only for GMs but for players. And I'm not saying give players whatever they want, but try not to shut down actions. Try to work off of yeah. actions. In fact, the gold, the golden rule of improv is yes and. Exactly. You yes say and. yes to the thing, and then you just kind of add on to it. Exactly right. You know, allow your players to help shape the world. Yeah, okay, maybe you did go through all this prep and you know exactly what's supposed to happen, but your player comes up with a really good idea. Okay, yeah, that's it. And also this happens. Yeah, and one of my favorite uh, bits that I've used is perhaps the most powerful weapon in the GM toolbox is, yeah, sure, let's go with that. Yeah. <laughs> but when you say no, you're shutting down an action, you're shutting down players' ideas, you're shutting mm. down things that they, they thought was a good idea. And yeah, there's always going to be the player like, hey, can I have a Vorpal Blade? Now, sorry, but how may, about this? You may have this Vorpal pen knife. Yeah, <laughs> but you know, you know, when you have the player again, hang like, on, guys, I'm sawed at it. <laughs> you know, using the example of the bar fight, like, hey, uh, can is it? Can I punch the bartender in the face? Yes, and he punches you back. Yep. <laughs> and now you're in a bar fight, and this now this has led to that, and that's the other thing. And Bob's your uncle. The next thing you know, you're in mid jail, meeting the captain of the guard, who's actually you know best friends with one of your best friends, and you know like who knows where it can, who knows where it can lead you, places you never thought would happen. But some of the it could be some of the best role playing opportunities by improving, by saying yes and, and not just shutting down players. I've been shut down so many times by you know DMs in the past. It's just very it's upsetting. To hear no, yeah, it's demoralizing. Yeah. Exactly, that's exactly the word I was looking for. Like, it's just hearing no over and over again, especially when you hear it multiple times in the same session. Like, I am trying to play my character, and you know, and I'm a GM too. So, like, when I'm a player, I typically try to, especially if I see them struggling, you know, a little bit. I try to hand nuggets to the GM while I'm playing. Yeah, here's some, here's something you can use. Like, I'm not going to go into details, but there was one game where I 
in my personal opinion, I handed the perfect excuse for this really weird situation to the GM on a silver freaking platter. Hey, can I do this? Here you go. And I'm thinking, like, I just handed this dude the holy grail. Oh, this explains this really weird scenario that I can't think of any other reason how to explain. No. Totally shut me down. Instead, he came had this really lame excuse for the same situation, you know, to explain the situation. Yeah. It, you know, stole the glory from the players. It was all the, the NPCs got to be the heroes for the moment. And I'm just sitting there going, really? Come on, man. Yeah. Like, I have sat here for four hours doing nothing. I tried to, you know, help you. I tried to improv. I tried to take advantage of something that I know is here and help you help us. And I just, everyone at the table got told no that whole day. And then the NPC got to be the hero. And the whole party just left like, this sucks. Yeah, it's really rough to hear that. As the GM, you do have the power. So you can do really whatever you want to do. But at the same time, you got to, it's a fun, the idea of the game is to have fun. It's a game. You're all supposed to be playing. And if someone comes up with a good idea, go with it. I've actually, I've found recently, and because you guys are playing in one of the games I'm currently running, you may have a little bit of opinion on this. But I found as a DM, a lot of times I just sit back and I listen. Yeah. And my players are planning and they're talking and I'm listening. Okay, they're going to do X. Well, if they do X, what's going to happen? Or they're like, well... If we do X, they're going to do Y. And I'm like, yeah, they should do Y. You know, <laughs> I, get, I get ideas from, from my players. I listen. I figure out what's going to happen based on what they're planning to do. Yeah. And it's 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 all improv, but our sessions have wound up. I don't know if you guys have paid attention, but we've had times where it's been 30 minutes of just you guys talking and planning and me oh. listening in. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm very aware. <laughs> they have, to be fair, they have some very ambitious plans in yeah, certain yeah. games. Yeah, we have some things going on where, like, if we don't sit and plan for 30 minutes, then it's all going to go wrong. Right, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Like I said, I'm heavy on improv, and I actually made a, a game. I made a scenario where the players are very heavily directing what's happening. Because it plays to my strengths of being able to imp improvise. Yeah. So they go out and do stuff, and I have to figure out how what they're doing works into it. I have no idea what the next session is going to hold, but I planned, I practiced, I'm taking notes, I have an idea of what people want, and I'm able to improv that. Yeah. I would say one of your tools, if you're going to... I guess it. I guess it works either way, but specifically, I think if you're a heavy Im improver as a GM, know your system. Um, yeah. Know know those things, and and yeah. one of the reasons I say that is because you know maybe the characters go in a different way that you you know you didn't expect them to go that way, you know. So maybe you want to throw an encounter at them, but maybe you don't want to throw an encounter at them that's going to be too overwhelming, you know. Or maybe they have to go up against you know something that you haven't really statted out yet, you know. Maybe. You know, maybe you haven't defined it yet. Hey, one of the things I've used as an improvising GM is, okay, well, I think this thing should have around 50 hit points, should have around a plus 7 to, to hit, have two attacks, and do, I don't know, D6 plus 5 damage. And I have thrown monsters or villains at a group with just those basic ideas. Two attacks, D6 plus 5 damage, plus 7 to hit, 50 hit points. And in, 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 in AC. And that's all I wrote down. And that came off the top of my head. That's an improvisation tool that you can do, you know, when something unexpected happens. Yeah, never be and afraid you, to take a break either. You can be like, you know what, guys? 
before we get into this encounter, it's a good time to take a break. Why don't you guys go, you know, get a yeah. drink, have a cigarette, do whatever you're gonna do, and yeah. uh, come back in about ten minutes. And you know what? That's that's prep versus improv. Yeah. You know, sometimes you do need to take that break to prep. Mm-hmm. Other times, maybe off the top of your head, you can say, "Yeah, okay." Another another powerful tool for the DM: the ten minute break. It's true. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, I also think as a, for improvisation, it's important to. Practice. Yeah, I was gonna say even, practice is the key. Well, yeah. even even it, though it sounds like preparation, I had an extended drive to some of my games, and on the drive there, since I was driving alone, I would practice my villain monologues, mm-hmm. or I would practice the plea from the innkeeper, or practice you know what I was going to lay out a scene, so that way when I got to it and it's time to go, I don't necessarily have it scripted out in front of me. But I have that idea of what I want to say because I've said it a couple of times. Yeah, I like to practice accents in the car so that way I can slip. You know, when you can start slipping seamlessly between, you know, like your English accent and your Irish accent for, you know, defining your your different NPCs, it adds a lot. Like, you don't even have to, you know, practice the whole monologue as long as you can talk in character as their accent, you know, with whatever kind of quirks you might be giving them. Maybe they have a lisp, maybe they stutter, maybe they have a weird accent. Whatever you're choosing to do, if you can slip into that... Instead of having to, like, hang, hang on a second, guys. Or you just start talking as your normal self. And that comes down to acting, you know, and I really think that, you know, personally, I'm a huge advocate of that as a GM. I think that, you know, GMs should encourage that because it will encourage it amongst their players. If you talk in character, your players will eventually start talking in character. Yeah. Maybe not right away, but they will. But, uh, yeah, definitely practice, practice, practice. Not so much as a prep side, but just the more you improv, the better you'll get at it. Just You might not have a lot of success improving in a couple of sessions, but the more you do it and the, uh, you know, the, the more practice you get at it, the better you'll be at it. But I also think that certain people should identify that not everyone can improv. Not everyone is able to get the, you know, think off the top of their head. Or maybe it's not even a question of the speed of thought, but just... They haven't had enough practice with it yet, you know, so you can either hone your craft but acknowledge that you're weak at it right now or decide, you know what, I should probably spend a little bit more time prepping for my game. I think there's great points that we've looked at today, and I think that's actually a really good place for us to call it for now. We could we could obviously go on for hours and hours, but we're trying to keep it within a general time frame uh, just so that we keep the podcast kind of bite-sized um, at least for now. So we're going to call it here for the session. And we invite you to check us out on Facebook. You can find us on our message boards at GameMasterStudios.ProBoards.com, uh, Twitter at GMS Studios, And we do post our podcast every Thursday here on Podbean, assuming you're listening or sorry, every Tuesday. Sorry, getting the glare from from the guy who posts it. Uh, every Tuesday, we're, we're here on Podbean right now. We may be branching off elsewhere at iTunes, some of the other fun stuff. Uh, but check us out every Tuesday. Um, and, of course, we've got less than a week to go on Jared's Kickstarter. So definitely stop into that and contribute. Links are on Twitter and Facebook and the message boards. And we will see you next time that we come back into the studio. Peace.